Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. You know what that means? You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood, and uh, we've got an exciting show today, but we will uh, begin with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. And St. Lucy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All right. So uh um, beat me to the punch. That's what I was gonna jump, jump in on. In on yeah. St. Lucy's Day today. St. Lucy's Day today. We're we're taping on her day. So go have some saffron bread tonight at home and All right, what's the story? You on might that? be disappointed. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, I think that there is uh thinking it's an Italian tradition that uh there's bread made on her feast day because in uh Sicily, town in Sicily, the the town that the settlers from came from that founded St. Anthony's here in Bryan. Oh, wow. They were experiencing famine and they prayed for deliverance from that famine. And there was a ship that arrived on St. Lucy's feast day and it was carrying uh, flour to make bread. Okay. And... Unfortunately, I don't. I don't recall why saffron is part of the part of the bread. No, no. So, <clears throat> catechism might say, you know, eat some lychee leachy nuts, which I don't know if you know. What I don't know what lychee nuts are. They're typically sometimes they look like eyeballs. They look like eyeballs. Okay. They're they are they're actually pretty delicious. But um, only time I've ever seen them. I think you can buy them at an Asian, but they're typically okay. like a dessert type of. Uh, fruit um it's done uh at chinese restaurants or asian restaurants i don't see them as much anymore but okay. it used to always be something that we'd get at the end of a meal um fruit like it's a fruit it it tastes good but they are little round about eye size balls <laughs> dr michael foley author of drink with the saints he would recommend drink a martini tonight with two pimento olives on on a oh, cocktail no. stick all right to with the pimentos facing facing out at you to look like eyeballs <laughs> is that real <laughs> yeah that's really <laughs> what, that's really what's in his okay. entry for for today wow so it's a martini night yeah uh, <laughs> wow or at least eat two pimento olives okay uh, nothing else so what we got on the what we got on tap today? So I found this found this deal from a website that's uh, called Intentional Catholic Parenting. Sound familiar? That's a good. That's a good <laughs> that's website. A good, but um, title. But but we but talking about being intentional and and the and the um, he calls it the seven building blocks to a joyful Catholic home, which is kind of keeping with we just had Gaudete. Sunday, so mm-hmm. with joy. Yes, we did, and um, and I think you know, again, it's different ways of packaging the same story. I think over and over, and a little maybe some different insights from 
from a different author. What, what was her name? Kim, Kim Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty solid. I'm not familiar with her, but want to give her credit. Um, looks like she has a, uh, a book called Discipleship, Discipleship Parenting. Parenting. Yeah. Um, planting the seeds, the seeds of faith. But I thought it, it looked to me like there were some some good things here that that are um, applicable and something that are again I like I like the idea of giving sort of principles or ideas and then make it your own because everybody's different and you know and what they like to do kind of their backgrounds and stuff like that so sure sure be, make it unique and unrepeatable but he but she gives seven. Uh, building blocks is what she calls them for a joyful Catholic home. And so we're just going to dive in and go through those seven. Yeah. So the first one is love, um, which probably should go without, without saying, but it is, it should be the first and foremost thing. I, I did, I, I do like that, like in the, one of the first, com- one of the first bullets she has towards the end, she says, you know, this means we want our children to be able to, take our love for granted. We don't want them to believe that they have to earn it. They, they don't they don't have to earn our love. I think that's critical to if we're demanding something of them and they fall short that that our children know that our love for them, our giving ourselves to them, our self-gift of ourselves to them includes those times when we correct them, but it's for their sake, not for right for the sake of doing it. So we don't want, you know, we don't want to um, make them feel like they're, and sometimes it's a matter of just pointing it out to them. This is not like, I love you less because you failed at this or you didn't behave in a way that we want. It's, it's more, I love you and, and I, and I want to help you understand why this behavior is not correct or whatever. So even correction should be, framed and in, in the um with the with the understanding that it's because of love not not something separate from love right the correction i think that's important too to understand that that's kind of the way we need to see god god that sometimes when things happen when consequences happen or things occur to us that to always frame it that the father regardless of what is happening or what comes our way in terms of circumstances whether it's because of something we did and it's a, or whether it's completely innocent that something happened is always needs to be seen in light of it's out of God's love that that's occurring um and so the question is is hey lord what are you try, what are you trying to teach me it's the same way that you would hope your children mm-hmm. would say what what are you trying to help me be better at or Right. What are we doing? Right. So I think that's right. I think that's critical. You know what this piece brings to mind. What you've been saying here is it's not directly related, but it's what brought to mind. We were praying in our Father the other day as a family, and when we got done, I asked my oldest child to come over and and sit down next to me, and I I put my arm around him and I said, you know, I want you to know that you might you might think that you. I know you, I, I know that you probably feel like you trespass against me a lot. And first of all, that's not true. You're not constantly trespassing against me. A lot of the, a lot of the things that maybe you need that you get corrected on, that you, you get um, direction on are, you know, they're not moral issues. They're just issues of, development of growing up and, and, right. and I'm doing that be, because I love you. And then I said, but the, our father, we just prayed, made me realize that I want you to know that you are forgiven and I forgive you for every trespass that you've ever right. made or done against me right. and that I, I love you completely. You know, right. I, I love you without without reservation. And, you know, you could see, I think, I think that was a Holy Spirit grace moment because I could see on, on his face that it, it was what he, that he wanted to hear that, that that was good for him 
to hear that and to know that. And, and I think that's, again, we have to remind ourselves that that's the way God, God loves us as we are, where we are at the moment. He lo- also loves us enough to not want us to stay where we are, particularly in areas that we need to improve on to become who he created us to be. And so that framework, if we're meant to be, not if we're meant to be, we are meant to be a sign of God to our child, albeit, you know, we're going to always fall short. I think it's important that that they see in us and the way we respond and that we articulate to them what God is like. And God yeah. is that way. Right. I mean, God, right. God, God doesn't, isn't sitting there going only if you could just be better than I might accept you. He accepts you. He loves you always. But part of that love is I don't want you to stay where you are if you, if you have something to change or grow in or whatever. And so that's the way we should take our parenting. That's a proper reflection of, of who God is. We love you no matter what. But that doesn't mean that we don't, we're not going to ask you to try harder, to change this habit, to do whatever. We're going to do, we're going to, we want what's best for you. Uh, and that may mean it might hurt a little bit or it might be a challenge or it might be harder than you like, but it's because we know you're capable of it and we know that's going to make you into the person that you're meant to be. So, um I think other another one. I th- I thought I like this because I I think it's important as it's talking about wanting to be close to us, and then um, they he talks about or she talks about that trying to develop a sense of sameness of belonging with us, being significant to us, emotional closest to us, and being truly known by us. Again, that's a reflection of of the way God wants us. He wants. We're, you know, we're made in his image and likeness. We're saying that, that he is, we are his children, you know, and that he is significant. I mean, we are significant to him. He, he, he cares about our situations, specifically ours, not just in general, but specifically he cares for us. And so we want to make sure that we're doing that. So some of the things that we practically is, again, we've talked about this before, you know, you're a Christian first, but you're a Cashin second, you know, and we talk about, you know, Cashin, like I talked about one of my nephews being upset with another nephew of mine, <laughs> right. you know, when he misbehaved saying, hey, your, <laughs> your name, my name's on your back, you know. Um, so that sense of there is something which is the way we should feel as Christians. There's a certain way we should behave and what we should do. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole basis uh, of scandal, the idea of scandal causing right. scandal. And and then, you know, but that we're all part of this bigger mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. We have, we're, we're not just responsible for ourselves, we're responsible for our name. And the biggest name we can be responsible for is we're Christians, we're Catholic Christians. But also... To teach that again, you can teach that by the way you able hey, Cashins don't do that, you know, our uh, Cashins do do this. So, and then the last one actually points to the fact that we fail. Um, you know, he, this lady talks about, you know, I have a heart for parents who fear their mistakes will ruin their children. Um, we can't have that fear. I mean, we really can't. I, I always look, Father David, Bishop David, I can remember talking to him about, I, I mishandled this. And he used to always say, Trey, you know, children are way more resilient than you give them credit for. But when we fail, I love that she, that she points this out, that, that, you know, parenting does bring out, you know, our brokenness mm-hmm. because we will fall short. And so you'll fall short in how you handle a particular situation. You may fall fall short even in larger ways over a longer period of time in terms of what you're doing. But, but to recognize that and then to identify that as a problem and point that out specifically to your children again, and ask for their forgiveness is something that helps them understand when they fall short, Mm -hmm. that they can name it, they can claim it. And again, that points us to what, what is confession? That's, that is what confession is. You're you're naming it and you're claiming it and you're saying, I want to change and I know this isn't right and therefore I 
want to own up to it. I'm not going to dismiss it or say, well, I'm just that way or anything like that. Um, even if you are just that way, <laughs> I've got work to do. Right. And to let them right. know you have work to do is part of that, is part of that love. So don't pretend to be perfect, particularly since, well, none of us are. <laughs> and don't be afraid to let your children know um, as part of this love that we fail um, in small ways and sometimes in big ways to live up to that image that we're supposed to project to them. So I think if I had to add something uh, to that first building block of love, I think I would have liked to have seen her just set out a, a definition of what love is. Right. That, you know, love is wanting the good of the other, or I've also heard it expressed as, you know, love is sacrifice if you take the right. the concept of, of sacrifice, sacrificing for for others, sacrificing yourself for others, dying to self. That's that's what a Catholic understanding of love is. I think that would have been. I think that would have made that section even even stronger. Well, there, there comes out your your uh, background and <laughs> teaching. I, I always you want to define your terms. Yeah, which she she doesn't. She assumes that's. That we we understand it, but it right. is important to to say that love is sacrifice. Love does not. That's why crucifix crucifixes should be in our homes, because if you ever want to know what love looks like, right. that's what love looks like. Right. Love. Like th- that sentence of this means we want our children to be able to take our love for granted. Well, if you have the wrong understanding of love, you might say to yourself, "Well, I mean, how can they?" How could they take my love? But if you put in sacrifice in place of love there, we want our children to be able to take our sacrifice for granted, not in the way of, you know, not appreciating it, but just to know that we're, we're going to sacrifice for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think all of us would say, yeah, absolutely. I would want my children to know that, that they, that they can count on the fact that I'm going to sacrifice for them. And particularly during these times, I think defining love or helping your children know like, okay, what is love? Because there are so many different uses of the word in our culture. There's so many different understandings of what love exactly. is. Love, love is sacrifice. Love is self-gift. Love isn't love, actually, because people have different definitions of what love right. is. Right, and that, which is why it's important for us to actually take the time to point out this is what love is. Love does the difficult. Exactly. Even when other people don't might not think it's necessary because the person who is in love with another is always going to say, I know this is difficult, but it's important that I do this for the sake of this other. It's going to make them better. Love isn't just the idea that love is an act of the will. It's It's not not an an emotion. emotion. That's all those things should be something that's not a changeable feeling. Right. It's it, it, it is, I think very important, particularly in this culture, for us to define what love is. Yeah. Love is not the butterflies or whatever you get when you see a girl that you like or a guy. That's not that's not love. Um, right. Love is pouring yourself out for the sake of another, for their benefit, even at the expense of our time, of our ease, of whatever we 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 pour ourselves out for the sake of another right. what's love got to do with it every everything <laughs> everything right and that's why it's number one um i like so the, number two is balance balance i think that you know um starts off with time you know time's a gift from god and we you know i think it's always something that we have to um we struggle with because life by itself if we can get i mean i know i've been there before where it can kind of get um overwhelming because you just you know whether it's work or it's other commitments and you just kind of go through the motions we need to remember as she points out that our calendars belong to god so um that's i think is very important that we let them let our children know and that we create balance that says okay there are things we have to do i mean i have to go to work you know i I, I need to spend time with my family. I need to make sure I'm spending time with God, not in that order, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's too bad that Stephanie can't be here today because I think it's especially strong for American women today, American Catholic women, this idea of 
we may realize we are responding to society's expectations for our family rather than God's because women today are very much dealing with new expectations or kind of a new model, societal model for what what they're supposed to be. And I'm getting with getting at the idea of, you know, oh, you can be a you can be a great parent and you can be a great career woman. Right. You know, you can have you can have it all that that idea. Right. Um, that's you know, there's been a lot of criticism of that societal ideal. And we've seen that maybe that's not totally realistic, but that's still definitely a foot in, in the society. And that's something that, that women, as they come of age, they have, they have to grapple with that. Right. And so I think and it's a little bit more, even more of a challenge than it is for, for men, maybe. I, absolutely. Because man's kind of the, 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 even societal expectation is, you know, this, you're going to have a career and you're going to be a husband, you're going to be right. a dad, whatever. The, the I think it's great I, as you were talking about that I was thinking about Teresa Lassou's parents you know and the fact that her that her mother worked and was actually mm-hmm. very good at what she did mm-hmm. so that gives oh, it, it was out of necessity she needed she needed to make money and and that's often the case when this is the case so I don't think there's a this is the way a Catholic would would look at it but regardless there's got to be some balance are we are we making time for for God, you know, daily, uh, certainly on Sundays, uh, you know, are, are we putting him at, at the center? Are we making time to do our responsibilities for our employer or for whatever? Um, but then we also, and it often comes as an afterthought sometimes, um, we need to make time for our family. We need to make time for our spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you don't, it's like anything else. If you don't put it in your calendar, if you don't say I'm I, I'm committing to do this at this time, I mean I'm I'm learning. You know now, my employer's been kind enough, you know, across the board to pay for pay for a workout deal, and you know now I've got to schedule that time to go do it um, because it's been offered to me and. And so it's I find it's, well, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you realize because if you don't put it down, right, well, I'll exercise whenever or I'll spend time with my wife whenever or I'll spend time with my kids whenever that whenever can turn from, you know, not today to tomorrow or to whatever. One of my it can favorite. turn to not ever. To not ever. <laughs> really whenever to not ever. I mean, one of my favorite songs, one of the saddest songs I ever know is an old song called Cats in the Cradle. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, about, about a dad who's, yeah. you know, I, I don't have time. Harry Chapin, I think, yeah, was the famous yes, singer of that, that song. song. If you listen to that song, but that, that's, that's the idea that, but, but, but the end of that song is when the dad is old and is wanting time from his son, yeah. the son is saying the same thing to him, you know, yeah. works really hard, whatever. And, and, and that points to the fact that I think that we can, um, we show our children by our actions and by our use of our time what's important. Whether whether we intend that or not, it points to this is important. So if if mass is optional or if prayer is optional, our kids will catch that yep. no matter what we say. Yep. If if my wife is optional, you know. <laughs> or my family and spending time with them is optional, it, it will be reflected and it will carry on to the next generation because that's the way dad was, or that's the way mom was. And God willing, we're, God willing. you know, we're, we're, well, at least they'll have seen it because it's like anything else. People are looking at what you're doing and matching that up with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And even children, <laughs> Even children can recognize when those two are not in alignment. Mm-hmm. I mean, more than we know. Um, and so I think it's important that we make sure that that we communicate to our children. God's got, I mean, God's got to be at the center of our daily life. They need to see us praying. You know, they need to share in our prayers together. You know, they, they need to reckon, we need to talk about the fact that we know we've prayed about this 
And that needs to be part of the culture that we create, which is an accurate reflection of what, because everything we have, our spouse, our children, whatever means we have, our jobs are always their gifts from God. So. Her her next one is play. That's the next building block. Which I think was, is great. I think, I think that's, a, that's a, a great, it was a great surprise to read that one. Yeah. And I started laughing about it because uh, down at the bottom, she says, you know, kids are play experts. Allow them to show you how to play again. And I was working from home this morning and my, my five-year-old, he, <laughs> he drew this, he drew this map with an X on the spot. An X marks the spot on it. He cut cut it in half. He said, Pa, I want you to pop. He calls me pop. Always calls me pop. Pop, I want you to hide these two pieces of the map, and then I'll find them, and then I'm going to go use the map to get to the the treasure that's at the X marks the spot. I'm like, (laughs) okay, you know. <laughs> this n- nothing has any connection to you know reality. There's no, <laughs> but but I think we it, do. But I that. and I I was in the middle of of working, but I I said okay, just give me let me finish this little thing, and then I and then I did it, and I hit it hit it for him, and and it was great. It was a great little fun that we that we had, and it didn't really you know I was a little bit reluctant to indulge him, but. It didn't end up really taking that much well, so time that's, away, that's always, and I and got to see his imagination at, at work. Well, so so I think there's truth to the fact that, like, as we get older, time goes by really quickly, and a young child in particular, I mean, a five-year-old, a four-year-old, 10 minutes to them is an eternity. Is a, is a lot. We don't think it is, but to, to just stop to play blocks or whatever with with them means a lot and by itself communicates you know I'm I'm here with you and I can enjoy it. Now one of the things I I also so I think that's important to remember that even what seems like a little again it's the pitch and pennies if you spend a little bit of time with them over a long period of time it's a lot. Mhm. And yeah. they and they'll remember that they'll remember those little moments, you know. Um, the the one of the other things that I thought was really cool because I've heard this before, um, you know. The, the, often we feel, you know, this is partly her words: the pressure to fill our child's schedule with enrichment activities. But parents need to take the time to preserve free time in their child's life. That's for us too. That, that I've heard people say you need to be able to waste time with your children, you know, waste time. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to always be productive. It can just be right. sitting around, right? Nothing. And, and I think we've, particularly in our culture today, that's, there's a sense that like everything's got to be productive. Well, that is productive, but it's not productive in the way that we see it. Like we've got to be accomplishing something. We've got to be getting better at something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to have time set aside to kind of just be with one another without guys are the worst about that. Guys always have, you know, they some of but some of my specialist time to date are are the times that we go and I go away once a year with a group of guys and and, and we there is stuff to do. You can fish, you can do whatever at this place and go down to the river. But most of the best time is when we're just sitting around talking, whether it's on a, on a swing out, you know, out front, or if we go down to the river, it's not, you know, that we're just sitting with each other. Yeah. yeah so this makes me think of reading Joseph Pieper's book on lit- on uh, leisure. And I don't recall the exact title, but l- the word leisure is in the title. He was a German, uh, philosopher and theologian from the 20th century. But his, his point basically was as modern man um, increasingly makes every activity and every uh, part of time revolve around efficiency and productivity. um, That's what's, that's what's destroying man's ability to worship that's what's drawing man away from liturgy oh, is because worship 
liturgy is the most inefficient and unproductive thing that men can do uh, because it doesn't have any, and it's not supposed to have any um, direct effect. Uh, it's not supposed to be economically productive. It's not supposed to be politically productive. You know, it's not supposed to, you don't do it because it leads to some other good. It's good in and of itself. Right. Right. And that was the, he makes the point about that's what the liberal arts in universities of originally were, why they were called the liberal arts, the free arts. So history, theology, philosophy, for literature, because those things, you didn't study those things because they were going to lead to some other good. Right. Like say a trade. Right. They were the free arts because they were good in and of themselves. They were free from any, any, um, need to. Well, you get that a lot today. Right. And it particularly as kids go to college, you know, you, you hear lots of people say, well, what are you going to do with that degree? You know, right. or, or whatever. And right. I, and my oldest son, I think is struggled with the fact that he did get a liberal arts education with business. He's like, I spent, we spent too much money on that. I mean, and, and all of that, but I, I always say, but you know, the one thing that you learned that is priceless is you learned how to think mm -hmm. you, you learned how to look at the big picture and think about consequences, ramifications of certain things being decided. Right. And we're losing that, I think, in, right. in the way education is is taught now. Well, the, the way it's perceived, it's 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 something you do in order to get a job. Yeah. So so the reason that that came up when we were talking about play is that that's maybe another reason why preserving that free playtime, wasting time with your kids why that's so important to preserve that in your family would be that that is that's what's creating in your family perhaps a sensibility and a culture that is in turn open to the transcendence of right. liturgy that yes. that you're going to be when you bring your children to mass on Sunday and if if they've been living in a home where wasting time is a feature, they're going to be more open to the transcendent experience of, of worshiping God. Right. And, and so, and the reason we're using wasting time is it's not wasted yeah, time, yeah. No, but, 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 but in the culture, it's like, there's not like an end, like, okay, we're going to yeah, get together. And then, you know, an hour from now, this is going to be built or an hour right. from now, this is going to happen right? or whatever, because we have to always be doing something. Right. And, and I think it's actually a pretty good reflection of what worship is when your house is, a, is just being together to just be together. Right. Not, Hey, we're going to play this game or we're going to, I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of that. And, and those are good things to have, but to recognize it, it's okay to just have nothing to do. To just be together is a good in and of itself. Right. And I think that right. is something to, to kind of go, f I mean, to kind of look for in our own lives. Um, now, this next one, this merciful discipline idea, I mean, that kind of looked a little at this one. No, I'm, I'm just joking. No, but I think, you know, it, it's it's important. I, th I like the fact that she puts those two together because mm -hmm. mercy is is, again, it's just... It's love in the face of suffering, effectively. It's it's a love that, that enters into suffering for that, you know, for the purpose of being with somebody else and being and walking with them. So discipline is nothing more than pointing out something that needs to be corrected, but but it always has to be, you know, it's it's not, you know, you in my age it used to be the, you know, this hurts me more than it hurts you <laughs> kind of thing. But there's a sense that, okay, there's suffering from an action that that a child has done or whatever, and I've got to go in and I've got to discipline them. I've got to disciple them. I've got to teach them and then provide them with the why. So merciful discipline, I think, does not just discipline in the sense that it, it just either inflicts pain or removes something. It's not just that, it's for a purpose. And that purpose is 
the merciful side of it. And the merciful side is I'm going to enter into this and help direct you, but I'm going to give myself away. It's a, it's a form of love. Um, and mercy is actually the, it's the attribute of, of God in the face of where we find ourselves now, because love in the midst of our lives here is in the form of mercy. I mean, because we're in the midst of living our lives down here and things don't work out the way we want and, and we have to see our hands. So it's always important. I think when you discipline a child to number one name, why, why are they being disciplined? Let them make them make sure that they understand the real reason. Um, Like I said, it wasn't them throwing the ball through the window that was the problem. The problem was that they didn't listen to me. They, they, I'd gone out there and said, this could happen if. So it's important for them to know, to name it and know what it is. But then I think beyond that, why is it important for them to adjust that behavior? <laughs> We're going to give them something to help adjust it by either taking it away or providing a consequence or maybe there's already a, a consequence that comes with the action, but that it's always not like retribution. It's this is for your good, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't feel good. And to me, the easier thing in all, often cases is to not even deal with it, which would not be merciful, <laughs> nor would it be discipline um, to right. just let it happen. So, um, yeah, I think we're also going for, um, Ultimately, we want self-discipline. So we want exactly we want it to be something that ultimately the child is impelled to do the right thing, right? So it's coming from inside of them, within themselves, their will and their intellect are are aligned to the good, and so they do the good from inside. But when they are, as they are developing that first takes the form of them being compelled to do the right thing by the parent from outside. It's coming from outside through, through modeling, through consequences, through explanation to, to learn, to learn that, how to do the right thing. So the, the, the always, we say that the ultimate end is we want their heart and the way, the way we want their heart that we want them to understand the why, why it matters to them, you know, not, mm-hmm. not just it matters to, to me as a parent, it, that it matters to them to correct this behavior, it, that it's in their best interest. Right. To it's going to lead to their happiness. Their happiness, ultimately, if they don't do this or they do do that. And so that's where merciful discipline comes in, that we're always thinking about the why it matters to them. Um and then we sometimes do have right. to compel And that's them. part of that authoritative parenting that we talked about. Right. So it's always this communication. So article. you have to let, you have to, to get to their heart, you have to kind of go through their mind sometimes and then rec- and ha- help them recognize, I'm doing this for you, not I'm taking the Xbox away for you, or I'm limiting the amount of time that you spend watching TV for you. Mm-hmm. Not, not for me, but for you. And then you yeah. have to be able to articulate that. So that's merciful discipline, I think. Um, five is I, empathy. I, I thought that was pretty. Uh, that's a pretty. I, I don't know if that's as she says it. You know, it's like of course, but but I'm not sure that would be on my list. Not because I don't agree with it, but because it didn't come to mind. But. Um, yeah, she notes that today children are becoming less empathic, empathic despite empathy training in schools. Well, uh, didn't know. Well, I think that I mean, I mean, I would think that is. It's just like anything else. It's it's like catechesis separate from evangelization. It's it's like catechesis separate from lived experience. You got to help make those connections so you can train somebody in. <laughs> this is what it means to be empathetic or to, to have empathy for another person to care what they're going through. But short of them experiencing it or you communicating to them how that that's not a necessarily a natural connection. Right. I mean, it's, if you don't, if you don't 
do it. I mean, I, I hear it sometimes, you know, well, they deserve that or whatever. Well, maybe they do deserve, you know, talking about somebody, maybe they do deserve it, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have empathy for concern for them, you know, feel some bit of their loss as a result of, of their bad decision or whatever. I mean, um, did she just, did she define empathy in here? She said empathy is the gift we use to know another person. It allows us to consider their perspective or to feel what they feel helps us care for one another. Yeah. So I think, I mean, you can teach that with your children, you know, if, if you say sharing, I have something that's really cool and this other child, brother, friend, whatever wants it to be able to say, well, how, so let's, I mean, that's something you can walk your child through. How, how would it make you feel if your friend, your brother, your sister had this thing that you want and then they wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't at least. Share. I mean, that's the golden rule at, at base, right. right? Do unto others the way that you would have them do unto you. And yes. The, right. And I think the ability, the ability to help them understand that we do need to think about what's going on. So instead of being harsh towards another person, I mean, we've done this a lot with kids, as, you know, with our kids is just say, well, you don't know their back. You don't know, you know, what kind of parenting they've had. You don't know what kind of family they've come through. You don't know their experience. It's different than yours. So to judge them based on where you're coming from is not always very fair to the other person. You don't know. So give them the benefit of the the doubt, doubt, you know, um, and then try to figure out, is there a reason that this might be the way they've handled it? Maybe their dad's that way to always, or maybe that's just what they've seen as being successful. But, but to begin to plan in their, in their, to plan in their, plant a seed of, we do always have to look at the other person you know, I think when I think about that, I think about re- when I read Unplanned, I'd never really thought about, you know, Abby Johnson. Yep. You yep. know, one of the things that struck me is she she said, look, I, when I was on the other side, it was because I cared for people. I thought this was the answer. I thought this was going to help. And sometimes we can be on opposite sides of something and just think, well, that person's evil when I heard the way she was talking about the way she looked at it until she became aware of what was going on, it was like, Oh wow. So I can actually maybe understand, right. Understand that. And I think that's important. That's why somebody like her, I think has the the ability to reach out to others because she doesn't attack them. She actually says, I understand. Have you, but have you thought, you know, about this? And I think that's a, that's a, small example of where empathy I think can come is to say, well, is there a way that even though we can't ever imagine it, is there a way that they might come to it out of a sense of, I owe this to other people or it's something that's. Yeah. And I think that going to that little larger level, I think that goes back again to why reason and having a society that is, uses reason to have rational debates and rational discussions about things is because usually, usually people think that they're doing the right thing. They're, they're usually trying to, to do good, whatever, or they, they believe that they're, that they're approximating to the good. Right. And we have to have reason and an ability to talk to one another so that we can, we can figure out what, what the good is. We can figure out what the truth is together. Absolutely. You know? and, I, and, I, and I think empathy is, a, is, like I said, it would not have been on my list. I think it is a good thing. On and the I think the best thing she says there, and we only have a few minutes left to do the last two, but she says the best way to raise an empathic child is to treat her or treat him with empathy. And, and that's calling out us parents. You know, we have to, we have to model that behavior. And, and I think that sometimes in our, in our, in our parenting is, you know, trying to remember back when we were a, 13 year old. Yeah. You know, and what, what all was going on in our minds. And I, I still can remember the uncertainty, the one to be a part, all those type of things. And so I think it is as from a parent to model that by at least like I can understand where you're coming from, but I'm going to point you another direction because I think this is what I learned. 
in my life. Right. You know, and that's, right. that's again, goes there. The number six is um, radiant faith. Um, when I think of the word radiant, I mean that it shines forth. It's something that you can, yep. you can see. Yep. Um, a, a faith that becomes, she says, a, a faith that becomes a tremendous witness to other families of the truth and beauty of, the, of Christ's message. Um, so allow your home to f- reflect the abundant joy and hope of our Catholic faith. So, you know, we learn, we, we have to help them see that what we're teaching them <laughs> about the faith is something that actually extends to the way we deal with other people. So that we take seriously what Christ says and what his God to be, have concern for the poor. It's speaking of empathy, you know, it, you know, I've, I, especially I've gotten older, you know, I'll, you know, we'll try to give and help directly when obviously we'd, we'd give to the church, but sometimes we know how can we help somebody else? Well, it's really easy to help somebody <laughs> who you like, but sometimes, sometimes you're called to help somebody who you maybe don't like, or you don't like the way they behave. And, and to actually articulate that and show your children that that's part of it, that we're going to have a concern for the poor um, is really, I mean, I think it's really important. Um, I'm trying to see what else she says here. So, you know, children, especially young ones, will absorb our attitudes about attending mass and growing in faith. It's part of that radiant faith. I, You know, I used to always make sure that, that I always used to say, we get to go to mass. We're so blessed to get to go to mass. Not we have to go to mass. You, you know, it's part of our responsibility, which it is. But even the way you communicate that. We use both language in our, in our house. Sometimes we say we get to go to mass. Sometimes we say we have to go to mass today. It's Sunday. Because like she says there, we can help our children see both the obligations and the opportunities of living out our faith. And, and so I think it's, and both. it's important for them to, yeah, it's important for all of us to see, to see it from both sides. The part, part of it is, part of it is them understanding that obligations are obligations, that they're obliged mm-hmm. <laughs> to do certain things. And I think it's important to communicate as, you know, as a, as a parent, like, I, you know, I, I've talked to the kids about, well, you, you know, I can remember, you know, well, you're the boss, but you get to do anything you want. And I'm, I'm like, wait, wait a second. No, I don't. I, I don't get to do anything I want. There are things, the key to life is doing what you have to do because you want to do it. <laughs> I mean, that the, the have to and the want to should go hand in hand. So I want to be a good husband. So there are things that I have to do. I want to be a good father. There, so there's things that I have to do. And that's what should get you through the have tos, right? That it's an obligation. And I think we're losing sense of that. If, you know, if you don't like it, then just give it up. Well, no, there's things you need to f- follow through on. I mean, because you committed to follow through on it. So, we're losing part of that. Like you got to finish whatever you're doing, at least to the point where there's an end. And at that point we can reevaluate and maybe you choose not, obviously not marriage, but say in a sport, I don't like the sport. Well, you're halfway through the season. You, you need to fulfill your obligation because you're there at the end of it. When yep. it's over, we can talk about, we can talk about it yep. later. I mean, yep. we can, we can decide maybe that's not what you meant to do and that's fine. But but we need to teach our children that idea of there's a lot of a lot of virtue and a lot of living out our faith that that can be learned through right and so that's part of a radiant faith and then i think the last one is is really important you know a strong marriage yeah um and obviously there are people that that will be listening that that for whatever reason may may not but but in a perfect setting and she actually points out hey this is the perfect world um, a strong marriage is is important, I think, to the health of your children. Like, like I said, even when my parents would would argue and disagree, they would always say they would always sit us down afterwards and say, "Hey, we're there's nothing going to happen with us." And there was a comfort in that, especially as I looked at other families where there were where there were mothers and fathers that were not around or had broken up or whatever. Now, again, again, this is a perfect 
a perfect setting, but a strong marriage is that. And the other thing about a strong marriage that I think is something if, if, if you're married and raising kids is important is to make sure that they understand that that relationship is the relationship from which they've come. So they're sub <laughs> to that. They're, they're not the center of the relationship. They're a fruit of this relationship. So therefore mom and dad need to take time to be together, to get away for their sake so that they know and that we know as, as a couple that we're building on the relationship that is that has borne the fruit that is our family. And my mom used to always say, mom and dad used to go and um, take weekends. And I can remember asking, you know, why, why y'all do that? Why do y'all do that? Cause then she said, because I've got to stay married to this man a lot longer than I have to be your, you know, your mom. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but, I, but, I, but date nights and those type of things, um, couch time that we've talked about where you talk, you know, where you set aside a time, set aside time, even in their presence to say, Hey, mom and dad, this is their, this is our time. It, we'll deal with your issues later, but this is our time. So even in the house and even during the day to be able to set aside time where we can talk about what's going on, what do we need help with? How are the kids doing? That kind of stuff needs to be separate. And the kids need to recognize, hey, you're not the world. It's good for them to know they're not the center of the world. They need to know that they're part of it and they are important and they are loved, but they are not the be all end all of it. So I think so, this was a good article and it was called uh, Seven Building Blocks for a Seven Building Blocks to a Joyful Catholic Home. And it's at uh, Intentional Catholic Parenting. We'll link to that article in the podcast. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, Thaddeus. It was great. As yeah. always, hope you all enjoyed it. And um, always remember, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Always does, always will. God bless you guys. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Miss you, Stephanie. Yes, we do.